Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bilty. Well, another Friday, another podcast, and this Friday, you could be out doing some wild Black Friday shopping if you guys are insane. Uh, some of us got the day off of work, so we just might be kicking it here in the garage, just wrenching on stuff today. So I'm looking forward to spending some time trying to get some of my numerous projects caught up. I don't know what I'm working on. I got a Type 4 motor I'm finishing disassembling on a budget 2-liter rebuild that I'm building. I've got... Uh, kick panels for rag chops. I could put some speakers in it, maybe going to work on some of the stereo and audio equipment on it. So thinking about that, got a lot of stuff I want to get working on today and, uh, you know, got to get this podcast out to you guys. So it's a little bit late today, but you're getting it. Not like the other podcasts that you normally rely on that are not there for you. Let's talk dubs is for you today. And so to show your appreciation, make sure you share this podcast with your friend, we love when you guys share the podcast. Today's show might strike interest to some of those people that are thinking about going down the Type 4 alley. We've got Jeff Patterson from Type 4 Revolution here in the studio. He happened to be at SEMA show, hits me up on a text. We get to chatting, and uh, you'll find out why he's here and all that good stuff during the podcast. But he's uh, he's Type 4 Revolution on Instagram. Check out his stuff. He's doing a lot of Type 4 motors on the East Coast. So we get to chat, and I said, let's go to the, let's go to the studio and record an interview. So that's what today's podcast is about. So if you like type four stuff, take a listen. If you like general knowledge about engines and whatnot, jump up, pull up a chair, turn up your volume and sit back and enjoy this podcast. Now, don't forget to support the people that support Let's Talk Dubs. Go to Ross Wolf and pick out some cool stuff for your vehicle. Matter of fact, I would guess they're probably having a sale if I had to guess. So go on their website at rosswolf.com. That's R-O-S-S-W-U-L-F dot com. So RossWolf.com. Go check them out. And also don't forget to subscribe to VW Trends Magazine, a magazine for the people, by the people, not just air-cooled, also some water-cooled stuff and a lot of how-to. So go check them out today at VWTrendsMagazine.com. And if you want to support your boy, Bill, go to Let'sTalkDubs.com and pick up some merch. Get a shot on the podcast when you pick up some merch as well as if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So go check it out. Leave us a review. Pick up some merch. Support your boy. And let's get into it this week. So it's going to be a quick one, but I didn't want to leave you guys hanging for the big, long weekend. So it's time to enjoy some Type 4 Talk with Jeff Patterson, Type 4 Revolution, on this week's Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Okay, everybody. So on today's show, we just wrapped up this week at the SEMA show. And today's Friday at the end of the week. And during SEMA, we always get an opportunity to meet people from across the country, even from around the world that uh, follow the podcast, that we know each other through Instagram and whatnot. And this week was no exception. This week, I had an opportunity to reach to, to meet up with uh, a guy on the East Coast that I follow on Instagram. He follows me. I follow him and his name. And he's a, you know, the good thing about him, he's a type four dude. And I always like type four guys. And so on today's podcast, I've got Jeff Patterson with type four revolution out of Savannah, Georgia on the podcast. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. So <laughs> the way we always start the podcast, and uh, I know you've listened to a couple episodes, but 
the way we always start the podcast because obviously you're you're to give the listeners a little bit of background if you're looking for type four stuff on the east coast jeff's your guy type four revolution you want to follow him on instagram um he's got a long history doing type four stuff and that's kind of one of the ways that he found out about me and then we you know we kind of get to know each other the, via, through instagram and then we got to hang out yesterday so it's pretty cool so I want to get him on the podcast because we can do a little bit of type four talk this week as well as some of his history. But the way that we always start the podcast is how did you, what's your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens? I guess it starts real early in childhood. We've always had Volkswagens in my family mm -hmm. It goes way back. So basically I grew up with a Volkswagen emblem in my hand from day one. Yeah. So you know, with my parents having Volkswagens and then. I'm buying my dad's Volkswagen and moving on from there. So they've always been in my life. What year did you get your first Volkswagen? Uh, I believe uh, you got to date me now. <laughs> well, I mean, how old yeah. were you? Let's just sort of do that way. How old are you? Uh, well, uh, I got my first Volkswagen in, yeah. uh, in 87. I'm 53. So, so. you got, uh, and I meant to say, how old were you when you got yeah. it? But now you just blew the whole thing out of water. <laughs> so um, in 1987, you got your first Volkswagen. What year right. was it? Uh, it was a 1974 Super Beetle. I curve, bought from my dad. A curved windshield, flat windshield. Curved windshield. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So you so you didn't even know you were a German look from the beginning. Like you were a type four guy destined to be, you know. <laughs> exactly. That, that whole vibe. So you get into Volkswagens and you grew up in. Lakeland, Florida. Lakeland, Florida. Yep. So, so I was in the Florida scene. So was there a Florida scene when you were growing up? There was a Florida scene. Even pre-Bug Jam, there was a Florida scene. And so like so. it was like the scene of the 80s, mini trucks and bugs and stuff like that. That's correct. Do you remember any cars in the magazine that were like, dude, that one day I'm going to have a car like that? I think there was like a 21 window like that that I saw. So you're a bus guy from way back. Like from you, way back, You yes. love buses way back. S split buses. Yeah, it was always like, place to get to yeah you know that was the the end goal like one day i'll have a bus at the beginning it was transportation it was transportation and then my friends wanted me to work on their volkswagens so it got really deep after that and you're naturally like you found yourself to be naturally mechanically inclined yes it's like from photographer a mechanical draftsman straight up to um, machine shop mm -hmm. and then basically the whole time working on volkswagens so you, now how do you get, what formal experience do you have for mechanical stuff? Uh, well, formal experience really didn't happen until 92 until I joined the United States military. Mm -hmm. And then at that point I became an aircraft mechanic. Now what was so, the process to do that? Like you were, you were like, I mean, obviously you go in there, you, you can peel in potatoes. Right. For all you know, right? Right. Well, you got to take a test. So when you I mean, is that a thing, dude? Is, is that really, is that, is, is that like a thing where you look at a guy like that dude should be peeling potatoes? Because there's the stigma, right? Like you go join the yep. military. I think it came from a cartoon. Yep. A, a cartoon like way back in the day, like one of those early cartoons where they just show a dude joins the army and he's there peeling a mountain of potatoes. Oh, yeah. So if you don't, if you don't, you got to test out. So. Yeah, they, they evaluate you from your testing. You know? So right out of the gate, you're going in. You're in your early early twenties when you're joining the military. Correct. And you decide, hey, I'm going to follow something in a mechanical path, and they give you a full battery of tests. Or how does that all go down? Well, me and my me and my best friend join together. We joined together because oh, yeah, because he was Hold like, on. did the recruiter like you guys will be together the whole time? Is that? Is, oh no! Oh no! <laughs> okay, good. It, no, he. he <laughs> He, he capped that one off. It was like, you know, he was a low rider truck guy. Right. Um, but he liked the full size truck. So mm -hmm. he was rolling around in like probably an 80 square body, you know, long bed truck slammed on the, on the ground, cut coil springs, you know, mm -hmm. dragging it until he couldn't drag it no more. Yeah. Wore out his A arms and then throw another set of A arms on there. 
we'd load up Volkswagens on the back of it and then he couldn't go anywhere. So it was a useless truck. Yeah. But that's what we rolled around in that and my Volkswagen. Yeah. So, but no, we were going to join up and be male nurses. We wanted to be in the medical field. We were trying to be medical right. personnel because that's where the money was at and that's where sure. we wanted to be. Yeah. When you join the military, your, your thing is like, what can I do here for free that they'll train me to do that I can take in the outside world and make a bunch of cash? Exactly. And they looked at us and said, hmm, don't think so. You guys are so, wrench turners. You so guys are like, wrench turners. No. So they're like, no, no, no. And so they offered me and him medium helicopter repair. So me and Chad, basically, we went to go do medium helicopter repair. Well, mm -hmm. he, uh, he was indecisive. He didn't want to go, I'm going to stick six years in right off the bat. I'm like, send me, you know, because they're like, we can send you to Europe. And I'm like, Europe? I'm a Volkswagen guy. Right. It only makes sense. So I'm like, sure. When you're I'll, a kid, right? You're just yeah, like, yeah, dude, I'm send like, me. I'm like 20 years old. So I'm like, sure, send me, send me to Europe. I mean, that's like perfect, you know? Yeah. And I just was like, okay. So I just finished my car, just had it, you know, custom painted and ready to go from Teddy's Hot Rods over there on West, West Central Florida. Mm -hmm. Just had Teddy's Hot Rods go through it for me. So I was like, hey, you know, paint and body work wise, not mechanically wise, obviously. And this was the 73? This was my 74 Super Beetle. 74. And uh -huh. what did you have it lowered on? Uh, I, had a, I had all the top line stuff, everything that you could buy back then. Yeah, because so. I never, that was the one thing about, I, there was a one dude in my car club in the early 90s that had Super Beetle, and I said, bro, I don't even know how you lower it, dude. So we called him Kirby because he took a bunch of parking curbs and just threw them under the hood to slam the front. And that's how I thought you slammed a Super Beetle. But to, right, right. And Top Line was around back then, huh? Oh, yeah. Nice. So I got, I got over, over time, I got that stuff, you know. So, and, and I just then, kept plundering away at it. So you so. joined the military, start working on helicopter stuff like that and he decides he doesn't he doesn't want to do the six years so he passes up on that and he decides he's going to go to basic training and decide what he wants afterwards i went to basic training and already decided i was going to go to fort useless for four months for helicopter school and go from there what's fort useless it's fort eustace it's in virginia oh, okay. <laughs> so that... they call it fort useless right but yeah so basically i got to take a nice vacation for four months in fort eustace right beside va beach nice. and basically go from there and then eventually get stationed over over in Europe. So well, Virginia Beach is like a it, that, like in the south there. That's like a hot spot of stuff, right? That's kind of like a because I used to remember in the skateboard magazines like we never got anything here when I was a kid, and I would always see they had a big half pipe in Virginia Beach somewhere. And they would do all these skate shows over there, and I could never figure out like I think like Virginia Beach is bigger than Vegas, but I mean, guess back then, it probably, I mean, yeah. it was more of a more of a big hub for the South, right? Even in Florida, I mean, I, I hung out with all those people. Really? So yeah, that was actually my indoctrination with the Volkswagen along with skateboarding because I was a big skateboarder back then myself. Oh, were you? So all the movers and shakers in the Orlando area, yeah. in the Central Florida area, when it was really hot back then, they were building huge ramps. There were huge private ramps. I was I had pictures from all that stuff really? from back in the day. So I was I was in that scene as well, you know, crisscrossing through the skateboarding scene. Yeah. I mean, I literally got pounded in the chest by one of the one of the pro yeah. pro skateboarders from back then. That was riding one of those big ramps because really? I was taking pictures back then, doing a lot of stuff, nice. a lot of photography. So you said so, you're saying you took a skateboard to the chest? Yeah, I took a skateboard <laughs> to the chest by one of those professionals, man. It lost it, you know. That's wild. It took man. the wind out of me, man. But like I say, I was literally living in my Volkswagen, taking pictures at these skateboard ramps, all these secret ramps, all these secret spots. So you know, it was pretty epic back then too. So yeah, I and that was before there was any kind of social media. Other than like Thrasher magazine or, it. Or, or, it. or whatever they put on TV. So, yeah, and my, and my first skateboard I got, we lived in Houston for a short time, and a friend of my mom's had a skateboard in the closet, and it was a sure grip. 
I've never seen it to this day. So this is a bulletin to all the people listening out there. Right. It was a sure grip skateboard and the bottom of it had a Liberty torch and it said 1984 on it. I don't know why it was like a commemorative skateboard for 1984 or something like that, but it had a Liberty torch. I have yet to see one. Cause I'm trying, I mean, it's, it, it, they're cheesy boards. A sure grips, a cheesy board. Sure. But it's like, I want to get a copy of the first board that I had, but I don't know if it was a, a special edition or something. Cause I've, I've searched the internet far and wide, but after that, you know, it's like, I somehow ride a skateboard for for trans for transportation type thing, and then skateboarding was becoming cool. And then I really got exposed in skateboarding. Like my whole world changed when I watched Skate Visions, that Vision uh, v, the VHS with uh, Agent Orange and all those guys. I was just like, bro, this is it. This is the life right here. <laughs> but yeah, that, I yeah. mean that's that's the whole culture of it, right? Like sure. eventually with our show, One Crazy Weekend, I would like to tie in skateboarding some skateboarding stuff to it, skateboarding and BMX. So when I was in talks with some guys to do a toy and literature show, but have it be Volkswagen skateboards and BMX. Cause I just think it's, it's a whole cultural whole culture of the eighties, eighties, nineties type thing. So, oh. but let's get back to your story. So you, so you join the military, your buddy decides I'm going to come out of here and going to do something else. Exactly. And what so, happens to him? Oh, he becomes a generator mechanic and he gets sent to some little motor pool deep in Germany. That's just, you know, he just hated it. Yeah. And then he goes to Fort Stewart, which is there in Georgia. Yeah, generator mechanic, you're always in the bowels of everything working on stuff, oh, yeah. right? Oh yeah. He he just hated it. And he was just in a motor pool. He was just he was just always doing duties. He wasn't ever doing a real job. And then he went he ended up going to uh to Fort Stewart and doing the same thing. So he just hated the army and then he just got out. So And then so you end up getting trained doing aircraft stuff now or a helicopter more specifically are a lot of those helicopters air-cooled still or no oh yeah they're they're turbine turbine shaft engines oh really oh yeah even the early ones the earlier ones they were air-cooled as well because they had like those radial motors and all Correct. that but they, mm-hmm. those were all air-cooled yeah those but are a, the wooden blade but ones. i guess a tur- <laughs> i guess a turbine motor is air-cooled i don't i, I don't know bro I'm, i mean i'm hardly a vw guy oh, yeah. as you can see from my house there's, there's no liquid cooling in that in that factor no so in the so. in the helicopters they're still all air cooled and so you work specifically on turbine stuff correct, so correct you get some training and I, I mean obviously working on aircraft stuff of any type is much much cleaner and more precise than working on generators right like generators like stop the leak add more diesel right yeah, this is like lots of book work lots of putting it together right lots of attention to detail Special sealants and like all kind of everything. I mean, really similar torque, to torque, torque, you know, all the torques, you know, all the special hardware, all the safeties. So you get out of the military and the, the, now while you're in the military, you bring your bug with you. I bring my bug everywhere with me. And in fact, um, I became a flight engineer on those helicopters. So I actually flew around those helicopters right off the bat. Really? So I was actually a crew member most of my army career and my civilian career as a contractor. So that was also pretty big. Now, what is a flight engineer? What does that guy do? He does everything that the pilots don't do. So the pilots just come to the aircraft, they look it over, and then they ask you if it's good, and they take it. So basically, you're the last call before of maintenance, all the records, so all the inspections. So you check it off, make sure everything's done right. And you got to check everything, and then you're the glorified stewardess. You're the load master. Oh, so you go you're on. The, you're the mechanic. It go. You don't that aircraft everywhere you go. You go with that aircraft. Oh, really? Yeah, and usually you have a crew chief underneath you as well learning to be a flight engineer. And what kind of what, what kind of helicopter was it? Is a CH47D a Chinook helicopter. And the Chinooks are the one with the twin propellers? Yeah. The tandem big, rotor. The big mofos the, like the the big heavy lifters, yeah. Really? They called them medium lift back then, but 
they're actually considered heavy lift at this point. Now, flying one of those completely different than flying a regular helicopter because the two, the two, yeah, way in, way nicer propellers, way nicer than a tail rotor. Yeah, and so, way nicer than skids for kids. You know. Yeah, those things will haul some weight, right? They'll haul some weight, and they're actually the fastest thing in the army inventory. So, how far can they go? They go pretty far. You just have to have an earth tank if you want to go further. Yeah, you can fly five or six hours if you have an earth tank installed. And what speed so, they fly at? You can fly about 130 miles an hour. Which is, I mean, it's fast. Yeah, it's pretty fast. It's no, it's no jet there's, fast. But nowadays, they're all digital cockpit and stuff like that because there's been a there's been an evolution to those that I was able to any Black Hawk attend stuff? that. No Blackhawk stuff. Never really cared for a bunch of sealant and rivets. Yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> oh, my God. So much sealant on a Blackhawk. Really? It's just glued together. Yeah. Why? For the, it's just the way they are. For the anti... Those like anti-radar type things, too? Like Not so much anti-radar, hmm. but... Just glued together? Just a lot of stuff a lot glued of glue. together. A lot of sealant. <laughs> yeah. A lot so of sealant. you take your bug everywhere, and so you're getting to experience the VW scene wherever you go? Like, Did you, did you spend some time in Germany? I spent some time in Italy, actually. Aviano, Italy. So mm-hmm. I was part of a... An Italian Volkswagen club. I was part of a Slovenian Volkswagen club, which was right across the border. I spent most of my time in Slovenia. So what'd they see so, when you roll up in a lowered Super Beetle? Uh, they were, they were, it would bring crowds. Really? Because they would crowds. see stuff. Because usually back then in Europe, everything's stock height probably, right? Yeah, they had, they had laws. Basically, they couldn't change anything without a bunch of papers and a bunch of money. And so, you could, you could drive with immunity because you had, it was U.S. registered and you were there by the army or what? That's right. So Really? Mm-hmm. That's pretty rad. So you just go and get your get yourself some insurance. Insurance was based off the size of your engine, which was a sixteen hundred yeah. cc engine. <laughs> so your insurance never was cheap. never a sixteen hundred, but right. yes, it was a sixteen hundred cc engine. Nice. Keep your insurance rates down. And so, so. you just mobbed that thing around. So you, you had an was Italy, it? and you said- so I literally got I went and got a passport after the first couple of months I was there. I went and got a passport as quick as possible. I called my senator and said, "Hey, export me a quick passport." Yeah. You know? So I got the quick passport, got it done, got a blue passport, not a green one, because I just wanted to be able to bounce around borders, you know, freely. So nice. no problem doing that. And during that time, I mean, are you doing much mods to the car while you're overseas? I am. I'm, I'm using the APO system like it's going out of style. What's the APO system? It's, uh, it's just uh, basically APO is just the Armed Forces Postal Service. So basically you can send something. It basically goes to New York, gets put on a big plane get sent overseas and they just distribute it like C-130s and C-5s just take mail to all the different bases and distribute your mail. Really? And everybody's got a P.O. box over there so you basically just go to your box every day and check your mail. So nice. that's how you get your mail while you're over there. It's basically a P.O. box. Yeah, because I think we talked yesterday you told me that uh, you'd ordered an Onendorp exhaust and some stuff like that. What? Well, that was just through that was just through the German through the German economy that I ordered that but in order to do that I had to go was that find while a fax machine. It was, was, yeah. it was while I was in the military. I had to go find a fax machine, which was like MWR or something, and I had to fax, had to write, handwrite my my credit card information mm-hmm. and send it to them, and then they were able to run my card and then get me my stuff. That's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> and so you, you, you end up in the military for, for six years? Uh, eight and a half years. Eight and a half years, and mm-hmm. then you go private contractor after that? Yeah, then it literally slid from one side of the hangar to the other side of the hangar and then just continued on, just continued on being a like fly engineer. Like the same bases and all that stuff? Yeah, it was the same place. It was basically, I just went from one side of the hangar to the other and then I just started uh, being a fly engineer over there as well as for, for t- test flight purposes. Hmm. So the commander signed me off. The nice. same commander that was in charge of me when I was in the military signed me signed my paperwork to fly. Really? And I flew with an old, 
you know, Vietnam guy who was like two tours Vietnam, first time enlisted, second time an officer, and he was old as dirt. He could really? barely crawl into the helicopter. So you were you could fly a helicopter too? Best stick ever. Uh, I cannot fly the helicopter. No. Oh, okay. So you were just simulator time, yes, but yeah. <laughs> but realistically, no, they don't. They don't want me flying on the helicopter. So when you say you're flying, you're you're flying with the flight engineer the yeah, whole yeah. time, yeah. Nice. So wherever the helicopters went, I went. So. so when you're over there, when's when's the first time that you get exposed to like the whole Type Four thing? You know, like what what's your first time when you cross paths with that? When you're like, wait a second, these well, guys are doing something I was, different. I was seeing a lot of it in Europe. Mm-hmm. I was seeing a lot of it in Europe at the shows. That uh, basically they had a whole catalog. Anthrope had a whole catalog, and it was like all this cool Type Four stuff. You know, the nice you know the nice shrouds yeah. that you like, oh, yeah. the, you know, the, like the sharp built shroud style stuff, and. I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And then I just, like I say, I called them up, and they, they didn't want to sell me anything. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to build my own. So basically, I ordered like a turnkey um, long block, and I had it shipped from the States to me. I had to pay some import duty, st- import duty stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I looked around, and all I found was Euro Race. He was selling like some fiberglass tins and a modified fan shroud. So I basically built an upright conversion in my car in my barracks room. Really? Yeah, because my my sixteen hundred pretty much died while I was over there. I bought a seventeen seventy six. Yeah, and it pretty much died when I was done over there. So then I built this two liter, and I put the Euro Race conversion on it, and that's that's how I end up with the Anthrope exhaust and a few other things. So I built this motor. My friend today he swears that I gave him a double hernia yeah. from toting that engine from my barracks room to the to the basically to the barracks parking lot and installing it. Nice. So, and then I cruised that around you know, the extent of my European tour and then brought it back with me. And so what that that's the super beetle you're talking about? Yeah. And my 74 super beetle. So basically you still have that car. I do not No. Unfortunately, when and, I was over in Iraq and that was your dad's car, it was my dad's car. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he sold it to me. So he made me pay for it. Did he buy it new? He did not buy it new, but he had a stack of receipts, probably bigger than like two phone books when I bought the car from him. And he kept saying, you know, you know, we, we're going to tell you when and where you can go with it and blah, blah, until you pay it off. I said, how much do I owe you for the car? And he's like, 1500 bucks. And I threw that $1,500 on the table. I said there, now you can't tell me what to do, but I appreciate you paying my insurance. Right. And so after that point, he was just like, okay, you know, no big deal. So, and That's then like funny. I say, on top of that, you know, working on my friend's cars at the same time, um, my friend, his dad used to, used to run King of the Hill in Florida. Yeah. And I was working on his son's car because he got tired of working on his own son's car. So I was always going to him. He was like my mentor, always going to, to Mr. Ritter for advice on Volkswagen stuff and then helping his son adjust his valves and keep him out of trouble because he was the only one old enough in our, in our high school to buy beer. Right. I mean, <laughs> he, was like a, he was like a forever student. Right. So yeah, keep him happy. He was the yeah. guy in, in 12th grade with a full, full beard. Full beard, you know. Yeah. Fully legal. So basically it was, it was crazy, but basically I, I blame it all on his father. His father was definitely a good mentor to me as far as, you know, working on these things to keep them driving. You keep us, keep us running around, keeping us running around the streets. Yeah. So, and now you get back. So you end up leaving military, finishing your contracting stuff. And then how do you, so you sell your Volkswagen. So how did you, what's your Volkswagen story go after that? My Volkswagen story is I, I, I had a bad addiction over time and I just kept collecting more and more Volkswagen. So I bought a house in like, I think it was uh, 99-ish. 
I bought a house in uh, Savannah, Georgia, mm-hmm. and then uh, I built a shop in the back because when I got it, it just had a shed and like a lean-to. Mm-hmm. So then I built me a nice like uh, Kwanzaa Hut style U.S. buildings garage, um, decked out, concrete, everything, power, the full works, air conditioning, you know. So then I started working on stuff, and then eventually like my backyard just started getting filled up with Volkswagens. So I was working at the airbase, and I was building Volkswagens, you know, same thing today basically, but I was building more and more Volkswagens and I just kept collecting stuff. You know, you come across like a good deal. Somebody wants to get out. Yeah. Somebody, somebody wants to get out from underneath something. You know, I just started stacking Volkswagens and then it just got to the point where I was like, you know, I really need to sell this car, but I'd really just, I don't want to restore it again. You know, it was a really nice car, but it had probably like $10,000 just in the, in the frame, just in the lower section alone with all the suspension mods and everything else I had done to it. So basically, um, with my contract and my contract and took me back overseas again and this time to Iraq. So in 2004, 2006, I did a two year stint in Iraq in the middle of Balad, still working on helicopters. So I went from mechanic to supervisor preposition. So I was basically just like the team lead. And so I did mostly team lead stuff. So I had a lot of time on my hands to buy stuff and send stuff home. And basically I had friends there. I had a friend there, a lot long time friend. And he was constantly receiving my stuff. And then he'd go and take it to my house and put it in my garage for me. So basically, he would just look in on my stuff, check, was, out, check out my neighborhood. building inventory while you were there I was there building working. inventory while I was there. I bought a bunch of stupid toys, did a bunch of stupid things. But yeah. um, I didn't waste my money. I just, you know, I was just buying just stuff. Reinvested yeah, I was reinvesting my money in just car stuff and motorcycle stuff. You know, I bought me a Hayabusa, you know, <laughs> stretch, lowered the full works, you know, really? just insane. You know, every time you got on it, you see the Grim Reaper chasing you. Yeah. So, um, but basically I was just collecting Volkswagens. But when I was over there, um, my garages were full. So I told my friend, he was like, oh, I'll, I'll take care of your car. I'll, I'll drive it every once in a while. I was like, whatever, dude, no problem. So I left it with him. Well, it kept getting set outside. And I was like, dude, you can't leave my car outside. You know, dual carbs. Right. Late model, late model bug. There's no protection to the carburetors, you know. Right. First time it rains, you're gonna get hydrolock. So, I told my friend, I said, you know what, just just put that thing up for sale. You know, I'm probably not going anywhere for a while. Just put it up for sale and send it. You know. So some 18 year old submarine nuclear submarine guy in Charleston ended up buying it, and basically it just disappeared off the earth. So and that was in uh, 2005. What'd you sell it for? Probably 5,500 bucks. Yeah, it's painful, painful now, but it's like, you know, I had so many other cars. I had like a 63 uh, Beetle that I picked up that was mint. I went out and, and you know, basically in 2004, I just, uh, you know, bought an R32 Golf brand new from the dealership because I could. Oh, those are nice. Yeah. So, you know, and I was like, uh, you know, and then I just kept collecting more and more cars. So I was just like, you know, that one just had to go at that point in time. I mean, would I buy it back? Probably, if I ever saw it again. Yeah, but just for sentimental reasons. Just for sentimental yeah. reasons. People are like, well, why'd you sell your first car? I'm like, well, you know, I had that thing from 87 to 2005. That was a pretty long stint. Yeah. And I mean, I had the Innovations Dash in it. Oh, it was you? slammed. It had the um, the, the custom center lines on it. Uh, the really nice ones, like, they were like a five-star pattern. And, of course, I had, mm-hmm. the, I had the freeway fire transmission, the two-liter Type 4, everything decked out, you know, to the hilt, you know, it yeah. was done, done. And then the first paint job was Purple Night. It was a purple color that Teddy's Hot Rods had painted it. Then over time, that needed a paint job again. So then my buddy, <laughs> who 
was taking care of my car. He's like, I'll paint your car for you, man. You just got to buy the paint. So like, okay. So you guys goes and buy some house of colors, you know, yeah, no expense spared house of colors and does a, a Sickens, uh, flip, flip paint job on it for me. Really? Yeah. So I ended up getting a flip paint job, which was basically <clears throat> purple, green, that's that uh, the chrome illusion paint they call yes. it, right? Where like it looked purple, green, gold, like it had a funky. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he ends up painting that for That's me. That's a love it or hate it paint color. Oh, yeah. And it looked really great. And along with some chrome trim, that thing was popping. Yeah. So, and then of course, you know, I, I dressed out the engine again and I got rid of some of the crazy stuff I had on it, just kind of cleaned it up a little bit more. You know, I put Delordos on it because that was like the thing to do back then. Yeah, my you brother know, George, put George on it, loves Delordos. I'm not. But now at this point, you know, I've done so much with Delordos. I'm just like, they're great for performance, but they're just finicky. And yeah. getting somebody to rebuild them right. I went through a couple builders to get carburetors built right from, from that for those. And once they're like 10,000 miles out of, out of an NOS box, they're just really cantankerous, you know, compared yeah. to the Weber. So I just kept going back to Weber's after that. But so how do, you, how do you get into... So you're you're into doing mechanical stuff, and you start building you start building engines when you're young, or you start building engines when you like out of the out of working on the aircraft in the military. You have the courage, like oh, Volkswagen motors even easier. Like well, just um, just with my background, you know, with uh, with with maintenance and um, machine work, because I did two years of machinist work, and I also worked as a mechanical draftsman. So basically, the machine work interested me. So I started, you know, I started building engines for people and. I built engines for others before I even built some for myself. Yeah. So over time, I just got the confidence to be like, you know, let's, let's build something. And then over time, I just, I just started branding myself and started building stuff. I mean, even when I started, my mom got me business cards back in the, in the late eighties, you know, it said barter or trade, you know? Yeah. You know, VW parts, barter or trade. She already had me pegged for my yeah. business back then i'm not the gonna lie dude 80s. i've done some tile and granite jobs for a volkswagen here and there so yeah yeah <laughs> so i've been to somebody's house and like oh it's a lot of money like i do take volkswagens on trade so just to let you know you yep. know but uh yeah i so, want to say my first my first having to put uh an engine together for somebody mm -hmm. that i really just didn't know they just wanted something done putting the rail buggy was probably in 88 really yeah so that's a long time ago i mean that's yeah. that's early and so you get out of the military do you get a job doing type four stuff anywhere or you you end up just i didn't get a job doing it no i just i just did my own stuff at mm -hmm. that point it was just a supply and demand thing people wanted it and then i started talking with i started I found jake and i started talking with him now how do you run across jake just through the internet uh through the internet and a few of my customers um because even even back then like you know the internet was still still new to me you know back then so um, basically we, we just, I just ran like, you know, parallel universes with him. Mm -hmm. So we just keep like crossing over every once in a while and meeting back up again. So basically in 2001, my buddy's like, Hey, I want to put a type four. Cause he saw mine in my bug. He's like, I want to put a type four in my bug. And I was like, okay, we can do that. I said, well, go talk to Jake and see if he'll build you one. So Jake built him one, built it and put it in a box and you know, it was going to go in his bus because mm -hmm. he bought a bus, but he decided he was going to put it in his bug. So he goes, puts it in his bug and he had an issue with it. So by no fault of Jake's, it was, it was probably the, the guy had on engine stand and we think a, maybe a mud dauber might've got an oil line or it wasn't capped off properly. Something happened where it oil starved itself. So the engine lasts five minutes before it locks up. So 
I called Jake, the customer calls Jake. Jake's like, yeah, no problem. Just come up here and Jeff can fix it. <laughs> so even by then he's like, yeah, just let Jeff fix it. So basically Jake hooked us up with the parts and I blasted that engine all over the, all over the cabinet, asking him questions every once in a while. Otherwise he pretty much left me to my devices. We put it together. I, I reinstalled it back in the car because I literally tra trailed the whole car up there and took the motor out Yeah. and then busted it on table, put it all back together again, uh, got it running, put it on the dyno. We couldn't strap it to the dyno because it was an oval chassis. So because with a 56 oval, there's really not much in the, in the back there to hold it down. So it was squatting pretty good. So we just decided just to drive it on the street. So we got a video of him somewhere. Basically, we're just giggling and laughing. Yeah. Every time we're shifting through those gears and that thing's just launching itself. And what, what size motor was it? It was a 2270. It was just, it was the standard signature series 2270s that we do a lot of. So and It's the same one I got in my bus to this day. Matter of yeah. fact, in the carbon cab temporarily while the other motor's getting gone through right now. It's funny how some of these Volkswagen engines, they hibernate in other vehicles because, believe it or not, when the bus got done, that engine ended up coming out of that bug after he was offered another deal. One of my other friends bought a Type 4 motor and bought the whole kit from Jake in 2010 and decided not to build it. So I told my friend about it. I'm like, this is a good opportunity to get in something real cheap and I can build it for you. So basically my friend was able to buy that 2010 model, put that in his 56 and basically take his original 2001 model and put it in his 67, uh, 13 window deluxe. Yeah. So we just, we just literally just, they're, they're still in there today. So. That's cool. And they'll start up on a on, on instantly. No well, problems. I mean, I, I tell you, I, I had mine. I had my, uh, I, I mean, I, I built my bus in 2002 and you know, I, I remember I bought the motor from Jake. It was turnkey. It was 8,400 bucks, something like that. All my buddies are giving me grief. Like, bro, that's a rip off. That's so freaking expensive, dude. Like, I'm like, I don't care. Cause I, I happened to be somewhere. I was telling you the story yesterday. I happened to be somewhere. I was at the classic and I met a guy. I think the guy's name was Sam. I can't remember his name was. He had a panel bus and he was building it. It was on 16 inch uh, fuchs. And we we're talking. We got to talking. And he's like, oh, I'm like, yeah. Cause you know, you go to a car show, like, oh, I'm building a bus. I'll be here next year with my bus, you know. And me and this guy are talking. We met at the host hotel. <clears throat> and he says, What are you doing for an engine? And I said, oh, I don't know. I think I'll probably do 2276 or something. He says, Why don't you do a Type 4? So we got talking. I go down the rabbit hole of the Type 4 stuff. I end up on Jake's site. And I'm like, You know what? skip it i'm just getting i'm just getting i'm just pulling the pin getting a motor and at the time 8500 bucks was a lot of money for a motor but my attitude was like i don't care dude it's got the carbon kevlar shroud it's got you know all this all you know that was brand new turnkey only issue i had with that motor really ever was there was a needle seat stuck on it and hydro locked the motor a couple times so other than that that motor has been like you know it's been through two alternators and um Thousands of miles. I mean, I took that motor on Bull Run. I mean, that motor has been, if I had to guess how many miles I have on that, I've got about, I'd have to say I've got at least at a minimum, if I had to conservatively guess, 30,000 miles on that engine, at least, if not more. It's pretty you good, know? Yeah. And knock on wood, the final <laughs> piece of wood over here. I've never had the heads off. I've never, right, I right. mean, I've had it down the drag strip. I think it ran a 1680 in that bus, full dress, speaker, sub box, everything in it, which is pretty dang fast for a bus. You know what I mean? A full dress bus. And uh, 
I mean, it's, it's just been, and I'm, and I'm, I'm sold on the torque of the type fours. Like you can't convince, we were talking this earlier, like we're talking about high horsepower and all stuff. I said, I don't care about horsepower. I care about torque because torque is what sends the back end around. That's right. It ain't horsepower. Horsepower is what knocks your feelings out of your teeth when it's it like, like you ever been on a dyno, just dyno in an engine and you're just up there at like 6,000 RPM and you're just cringing the whole time. 7,000, you know, it's like, and those are those type one motors. And the, so I always equate it to like the type one is like the, the Japanese inline motorcycle engine and the type four is like the V twin. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's just like torque for days and a type four in a beetle feels like, I mean, it feels like a V eight in that thing. That's what I'm saying. It's small block versus yeah. big block yeah, if, yeah. in the, in the Mopar or the Chevy world, you know, that's what you got. You got, you got so, those two. So I like the big block. Since we're talking, is what I tell people, since we're talking type fours, um, Let's talk about some of the, you know, we've done it a couple times before on the podcast, but, you know, and, I, and, and you know me, I'm a, I'm trying to baptize everybody in the type four church <laughs> over here. But, you know, my, my attitude is always, and it's just reinforced when I went to, when I went to Holland to that show in, in the Netherlands and they had, uh, there's those two, there was two um, German look beetles there. Both had type fours in them. Both were like almost three liters. And one was a Kafer cup car. And the other one was a motor that was, the guy told me the motor's 45 grand, I think 45 or 35,000 bucks turnkey. You can't buy the parts, he'll only build you the complete engine. And it's from a place in Germany called turboboxer.de. And uh, it is, uh, he said it's 380 horsepower at the wheels. Wow. Type four, turboed. And, uh, it's, if you go back on my Instagram and you look at my, my Instagram lives, it's the one where I'm talking to the guys at the type four and I do this whole thing with them for like 10 minutes talking about the type four stuff. But that's, that's been like my, my thing is like, man, what if, what if I could just turbo my type four, you know? And I remember there was a guy, Marty Staggs. I remember seeing him on the, on the Samba forums and he had a nine twelve, I think it was with a turbo type four in it. It was all mocked up. It wasn't running, but I remember seeing him on the on the forums back in the day when we used to be all on the forums, just trying to, you know, figure out what's going, what's going on and all that stuff. But I mean, from your perspective, type four setup, how many motor, how many type fours do you think you've built? Maybe a hundred. And of those motors, what, like what's your favorite motor to build performance wise and ease of building and all that kind of stuff? The 2270. 2270. And so, so the 2270 is what combination? It's like a 78 millimeter crankshaft and 96 millimeter piston cylinder set. So it's the 78 by 96. Right. And then you, you prefer to buy one of those Jake. One of well, those, it's, not, it's a type four type four store, store yeah. kit. Yeah. kit. Yeah. So it's type four store kit and that's crank rods. Complete everything except your case. It's everything except for the engine case. To make it a long block. That's correct. To long block the motor. And then what do you do? What do you typically do for cooling system? Uh, it depends. It depends on which shroud what configuration you're running it in as well if somebody so, wants if somebody wants a 911 shroud you do a 911 shroud for them probably not why you can't get them or you don't like them <laughs> i don't run any of that stuff you don't i run the dtms or i'll run the factory bro i have factory had, listen to me pancake I, ones bro i have had that and i live in vegas it's hot as a sun up in here i, I, I have two type four motors both have the uh sharp built sharp style. built yeah. setups on it yeah, sharp. those things there, those those only eat alternators. That's about well. That, you gotta that's you got to you just got to understand that that's that's the only downfall to it. But that's normal. It's not. Yeah. 
Well, and the alternators, um, you know, a lot of the ones you're getting are rebuilt. I think the first one I had was used. You know what I mean? Who, who sure. even knows what? Now they've just gone through the roof. Oh, yeah. Um, so. And cutting the case. You got the machine work there involved as well. So yeah. It, it, it basically takes out the extra machine work. Yeah, so, but I just I think that they just look so good. They do look good. I mean, I have a I have a I DTM know. kit. I bought one. I think I have number twelve hundred is my DTM kit, and uh, I think I have ten of them sitting on my shelf. I have a problem. And <laughs> and I have yet, and maybe I'll put it on. So I'm I'm rebuilding two motors right now. One motor that that I'm going to rebuild is going to be the um, the twenty six fifty. It's going to go back in the carbon cab. Hopefully, I'll get that done before December because December I'm I'm going to try to see if I can jump in that hot rod power tour and just do that. I'd love to do that in the carbon cab. And then uh, <clears throat> I've got that. We were looking at my garage that two liter Type Four nine fourteen motor, and that one I could do upright or pancake either or because I got the DTM set up. The DTM setup, she ain't pretty, bro. She's not. Bro, I don't care what you say. It ain't pretty. Can't put no perfume on that pig. She's ugly. But she does the job. And she does the job. But, you know, that's, you know, I'm a little Gucci. I like my stuff to look a little, like, look, you know, uh, I'm sorry. I'm it does guy. take a lot more fit and fitment to get them right. And then yeah. take them to a real professional painter that knows how to paint, like, Corvettes or something far yeah, less. Yeah, I'm sure, and I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could dial them in pretty sweet. I've dialed a few in with the right painter. Yeah, to make it match the car. Yeah, it, and and I haven't spent a ton of time. Like I said, I bought the kit for a motor I was building. I can't remember how long ago. I don't know what happened to that car or that engine, and I ended up just uh, shelving it recently. It's it's on a it's on a long block for fitment over in my container, and I'm hoping I have all the right stuff with it, but. Um, because you got to mock all that stuff up. Yeah, it's prior, sitting on, it, it's, you know, a, it's sitting on a motor. I'll show it to you in a little to bit. To get that alternator stand and get all that stuff yeah. uh, square in there like you're supposed to. Once you get past that, then you can have it painted and matched up, and you can have all your tins the same way, yeah. cut up and matched up and sealed up. Now, so you like the 2270 Type Four, and then what kind of cam do you put? In? Just whatever cam that they sell you that comes with the kit. That's correct. Like was it the Camper Special or what do they call it? No, it's the next level up from that. Oh, there's, there's, there's a more, the campers, yeah, it's a, it's a lot more, a little more snappy. What carburetors uh, you like on them? Uh, you're running the 44 Spanish Weber's mm -hmm. for the, for the 2270. And what kind of, you dyno your motors? We dyno them. And what kind of horsepower you've been getting out of a 2270? It's uh it's 150 horsepower, 150 foot pounds of torque. So I got to find my video. There's a video on my YouTube channel, my original dyno day video that I found from 2007. And I want to say, I have two Dino videos. I got to find them both, put them both on, on my website. But they're, um, it's, I, I want to say I dinoed my Raby motor, my 2270 at the wheels. Are you dinoing at the flywheel or the wheels? Well, that depends on when you're, on the when you're getting car. 150, 150, you're yeah, dinoing yeah. flywheel. That, that's actually on a, on a run stand. That's not in the okay. car. So on a rolling dyno, I'm 135, 153. I almost remember that for sure 135 at the wheels 153 torque. torque yes which is really 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 good like it's so yes. funny because so many people hear these huge numbers and they think like you know uh they, they think uh you know everybody's thinking 300 200 300 200 it's like 135 horse at the wheels on a bus is good it's more than enough power to stay with traffic you know what I mean? Exactly. You stay with traffic. I mean, you can do a lot. I have, I've yet to dyno my 2650 
that was in the uh, carbon cab because that one's running 48. So I don't even know what cams in that one. That was a motor I bought. There was a dude, Steve's Type 4 parts that was on the Samba years ago, probably around 2006, 2007. And I bought, he's like, full Type 3, Type 4 motors, $5,500. I'm like, bro, it's a deal. I'm getting that. So it's 2600 whatever. I go down there. I buy it. I bring it back. I have my car painted at this paint shop that will remain nameless. I have it repainted. After I have that much money in the car, I'm like, well, I can't put this $5,000 motor in. So that's when I went to Jake and I got my second 26. I don't know if this is a 2615 or 2650. I think it's a 2615 is what he does. And or I did. I, yeah, or did. I did that motor and uh, that one I, I opted for everything. The Nickies, um, I mean, the best of the best. And that motor at the time was 15 grand for that motor. And I shipped them all my tin. I may even have shipped them. Uh, I can't remember. I'm sure I got my paperwork and stuff, but I don't even have that car anymore. But that motor. Um, I don't even remember what the dyno numbers were on that motor, but that motor I paid for all the coatings. I paid for all the stuff. So I haven't built one motor for me in 2002. And then I haven't built another motor for me in 2000, 2008, 2007, 2008 is when he built the 2600. But that motor was a monster too. I mean, I've got video of me just leaving a, leaving a Nick's burgers, just sending it sideways. You know what I mean? And it, it's just nothing better than a type four for me for torque and I'll never stop saying it. Cause I, and I, and I want to, I like to get in the rhythm of just kind of assembling some of my own motor so I can just kind of, you know, have the confidence to do that. But there's so much work involved in it. You know what I mean? Just as far as the checking, double checking, and then all the parts and pieces that go with it. But, and the bigger you go, the more checks and the more yeah. you're paying for that machine work Yeah, to make it, to make it happen. Yeah. So, so you do, you like the type four motors. You typically buy a kit through the type four store. And, um, what's your, I mean, if I'm a type one person, what's your reasoning for going type four? Just your general reasons right off the gate. I just tell them it's four times more fun and, it, but it's going to be four times more expensive. So that's pretty much my thing. It's just four times more fun. So, yeah. And everybody that's ever driven one of my cars, you know, I've never heard anybody say I would never want that in my car. And what's your so what's your current lineup of cars? And that I've you had have? and I've had women drive these cars. I mean, they're even women friendly. Like literally, yeah. I've had women get in these cars. And well, the torque makes up a ton of difference. Exactly. So when they're pushing that gas pedal, they 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 know they know exactly where it's at. Yeah, it's um, it is a uh, it's. It is a good, I mean, I love it. I love, I love them type fours, man. I can't get enough. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys, but I'm looking at the, so I'm looking at the engine kits that they have on the type four store right now. Sure. And you're looking at their least expensive kit. The 2056 is crank heads. Uh, I'm assuming it comes, I don't see rods in the picture, but it's a crank heads cam and some miscellaneous pieces. And it's like seven grand. And then the kit with the cylinders, the 26, yeah, they only sell you that now. The, tw- the only they only sell you the full kit now at this point. So, so they have another Just look at the full kit. a twenty two seventy kit, and that kit is seventy four ninety five. But there's no pistons, and then they have the Type Four conversion engine kit, which is a twenty five sixty three, ninety horsepower, eleven thousand two hundred fifty five dollars, and that one comes with. I'm assuming these are Nikki's piston or Nikki cylinders. Yeah, Nikki cylinders with JE pistons. Yeah. 
And I mean, it's like, it's a lot of coin, but you know, anymore, you're 20 grand building a motor. You know what I mean? If you're built, if you're building a 2332 built to the hilt, all that stuff. So if you're starting at 11, a few thousand bucks to build it, you know what I mean? Plus the parts top it out. You'd be able to, I don't think it's four times the price. I think it's pretty close to the same price. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't think it's that much more. If you're building like a top quality twenty three thirty two, you still got to do the DTM upright conversion. You're still gonna have to do yeah, you the use, exhaust. You you're still use, gonna, this is just a long block. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah. No, I got yeah, you. Yeah. With the, the, ele- the eleven, start tagging on everything. It starts. It starts climbing up there. So yeah. Well, I think. Uh, do you think it's easier to build a Type Four versus Type One? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 A lot of guys building type fours out there. I think everybody just has such a hard time doing the. You You're know. just so worried about the syndrome, you know, and the syndrome's been fixed. So, what loose syndrome? valve seat, you know, overheating and loose valve seats right. is pretty much a thing of the past. Because sucking a valve through one side of the head is pretty much a thing of the past. You can buy a brand new set of, I won't name the brand, but you can buy a brand new set of those out of a box mm-hmm. that haven't been gone through. And they, they might last you 10,000, but the first time it's your engine, especially on a fuel injection, decides to go, go, go awry and run you lean and you suck a valve through the side of it, you know, it's done. What's the process they do to, to make them more bulletproof? Well, at one point in time, they were taking the castings and they were stripping the castings and starting over hundred percent, starting over, Hmm. literally throwing all the trash valve springs, retainers, valve guides, valve seats. Studs, all that stuff goes into garbage. All yeah. that stuff goes in scrap metal. It's all just, just third world junk. Yeah. And they go and put all new, everything in them. So depending on what springs, what cam, that's how those heads get built. All the different CNC machining goes into them, all the porting, and all the valve seats that are never supposed to come loose ever again. Well, knock all the on wood. Knock. In there, all the coatings. Knock on no. wood, I have had, um, I've had some pretty good, yeah, DTM cooling systems, only 1700 bucks. So, um, I've had pretty good luck and I've driven the crap out of my motor. So, uh, I've, I've had some, I've had some good luck with my 2270. I've hadn't had, knock on wood, no head issues, no nothing. It's just been, it's just been such a, what I love about it is they just run good. They just run good. Tons of torque, plenty of power. And you know, maybe the the good part that I started with my motor, what made it last so good so long is it was everything was brand new, brand new carburetors, brand new everything. And this was back again in 2000, 2001, 2002, when they had a little more, maybe better quality of parts back then. I don't know. I don't know. Are they still, are, are they having no issue getting bearings? And when you buy bearings and stuff through like a type four store, are they already pre-checked and all that stuff? Like they go through and check all your stuff for you? Well, some of it, some of it's pre-checked and some of it's on my end, so... But what's really bad is those those bearings are sent straight to a coder, and from the coder they're sent straight to me, so it's a direct ship item. So it kind of does the circle and comes back to me. So the only way you're gonna really check bearings is if you check them and send them and get them coded yourself. Yeah. And our Type One motors, that's what we do. We basically check everything for fitment, and then we send our stuff off to, for coatings. So on the type on the Type One side of my business, everything gets coded just like the type four side. So, yeah, no. And, and, and you believe you've, cause I did all the coatings on mine. Do you see a difference? And what coating specifically you talked about? You're talking about the ceramics on the inside. And then you're talking about a thermal coating on the outside that sheds heat. So thermal coating on the exterior of the heads. Yes. So the heads are, it's almost like a, like a Cerakote, but something different. They coat the heads with correct 
something that makes the heads dissipate heat cooler. That's correct. And then they do... And it's the color. It's like a anti-reflective as oh, well. Really? So, you know, when they always said chrome don't get you home, anything shiny is always going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So you're, re- you're reducing that reflectivity inside there so it has nothing to bounce off of. So that's another way of shedding heat as well. Nice. Instead of just, a, you know, just painting them black, which is not recommended on a cylinder or a head. Right. So... So the coatings, you do the coatings, you, you like the coatings, yes. and they're supposed to make the heads run cooler also? Yes. yes. They have, they have I'm, I'm sure Jake's got all kinds of... Oh, they, got, they got thousands of hours of R&D and millions of dollars invested in all this stuff. So yeah. they're not going to keep pushing a product that's a time waster at this point. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, I don't think there's anybody more thorough than Jake Raby, right? That's right. And then on top of that, I've taken heads that have... 10,000 miles on them. All they have is carbon buildup and oil burn from being just installed on a motor just to try to fix it, even though the bottom end was trash. Mm-hmm. I took those, had them cleaned up, and the coatings were still on there. So I didn't have to disrupt any of the coatings. Took it to the machine shop, and the coatings were still there. So hmm. basically, I was able to just reuse those heads on another build that I did. Yeah, that because that's really the, the that's I mean, the story says the weak point of the Type Four is the head. You correct. Know? So the correct the correct head builder, you you got the correct head head builder, which uh, the Type Four store does. Then you're gonna. Now I see he uses these downdraft, uh, these like horizontal fan kits now. At least on his website, he's got this one with the horizontal fan. What's the deal with that? You, you use use those? I used the uh, I used the uh, Shreb, uh, motorsport style oil coolers and fans if you're doing like a remote oil cooler mm-hmm. which you have to do with the v2 shroud right the v2 shroud is a really clean setup it's not like the v1 so with the v1 you just run a, a remote oil cooler and thermostat mechanical thermostat right so at certain periods of time you know it does the 180 and at 190 the fan kicks on so and it's real clean setup you can put the linkage behind the shroud so all you see is an alternator and the set of carburetors there's nothing in the front and my buddy, we put AC on both of his cars. So all you see is an AC compressor, an alternator, and a pulley. That's it. And a belt. Really? You don't see the linkage because it's behind the shroud. And yeah. it's all accessible. And it's in a bug. It's in a VW bug. So So how does it So he's got AC on his Type 4? He's got AC in his bug on his Type 4. Really? Correct. With a DTM kit? With a DTM. Mm-hmm. How long ago they do that? Uh, been doing it for a while. Nobody sells it. Why? But did you buy the Did you buy the kit from? Um, uh, we bought the We bought the kit from Gilmore just for the AC and the and Cause the dash Gil, unit. Because actually Gilmore, when uh, the one guy used to own Gilmore, because they sold it once. I don't know if once or twice they sold it in the past six or seven years. But the original guy that brought Gilmore, I heard the guy from Florida. I actually loaned him that DTM shroud on a long block so that he could do some some bracketry uh, calculations and stuff. So. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. No, I mean, I l- listen. You know, we're not going to talk about Type Fours enough. What, so, what parts are really hard to find for Type Fours? What's the hard, like rebuilding an engine? What's going to be the hardest part to find? If you're just going to randomly build your own, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the va- the the pushrod pushrod tubes you can reuse, right? You can reuse the pushrod tubes if you want. Um, mm-hmm. They're still available. Are they? You can buy brand new ones. Because um, I saw somebody was making some pushrod tubes. I don't know why. Why are they making? Why are they, uh, I assume because they were making them. That they were making them because no one's making them. They're just making billet ones. That's all. Yeah, it's no big deal. Um, and you can make them different lengths. There's people out there making different lengths because different motors sometimes they grow. Um, 
and then flywheels, I think, uh, flywheels, because most people want a 200 millimeter flywheel so they can have a myriad of uh, selections for clutches and uh, pressure plates. And 200 millimeters this is the stock bus one? It's just a standard all-around 12-volt 200 millimeter flywheel. So if you buy their conversion flywheel, which they sell that conversion flywheel, it's also um, it's a billet flywheel. It's it's not cast, so it's you know drag race ready from the get go. Yeah. So you can put that in your beetle transmission. You can put that in just about anything. So no, I... so that's 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 the way to go right there. So basically, if you want a stage two kit in your beetle or your bus, you can run it because you can run a Kennedy pressure plate and disc, and there's no modification there. Yeah. So. No, that's cool, man. So you're not gonna you have to buy that off the shelf. You're not gonna just, you know, and having a problem finding. I haven't, I haven't really come across anything that you can't get for a Type Four, so either on the used market or on the aftermarket so world. Somebody reaches out to you to build a motor. What kind of timeline are you on? A one year schedule right now. Are you that far booked out for uh, building motors? That far booked out, yes. Oh, that's crazy. Because it's, uh, I tell people, you know, it's six months for me to get everything together for your motor build, and then once I get you back on the schedule, I can. I can start your build, so I tell them a year. So I got a '63 Beetle right now that I'm I'm building one. It's a 2270. It's supposed to be 175 horsepower and 150 foot pounds of torque. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, it's got special inserts for the case. It's got special studs. It's it's going to be a, a why, ground pounder. Why all this special stuff? Is it? It's just what's holding the nickies and the heads is together. It, is it turbo or is it high compression? It's higher compression. It's got a bigger cam. Um, it's going in a five-speed transmission. The what, chassis is already done. What kind of five-speed box? It's just, um, I think it's the Medola box or whatever. Oh, the Mendiola? Yeah, the Mendiola box, all converted, all brand new. Everything's brand new on it. Nice. And I put the t- t- Type 2 uh, stub flanges on it with thing thing half shafts. Oh, really? Uh, thing, uh, heavy-duty axles. So you're doing the whole car? Yeah, I do, I'm doing the whole car for the guy. So, But the chassis is done. It's got the transmission mounted in there. It's got the Berg uh, linkage. It's got all the Berg. Uh, mounts for that transmission as well because it's got the Berg five speed in it built yeah. into it. No, I've got a I've got a Berg five speed uh, somewhere in the Midwest somewhere should be coming to me soon. But that's I'm trying to figure out what that's going to go in one of my cars and I'm now I got these this extra Type four that I'm gonna start working on. I'm gonna try to figure out which car that's going in if I'm gonna pancake it or what. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna V two this one as well, so it's gonna be real clean, nice, all hidden. Uh, oil cooler set up and thermostat and all that stuff just now, disappears. They don't, so the V2, they don't use the factory oil cooler and the offset That's piece, correct. It's vertical. Just, it's just a shroud, man. It's just the DTM shroud and then they use a remote cooler. That's correct. What kind of results has he got from the remote cooler use? Um, we've had pretty good. Uh, the, the one customer I have, he has mm-hmm. a V1 and a V2. So the V1 was his first orientation to it, which is in 2001. And the, in 2010, V2 came out, so he wanted the V2, and that's what's in his oval book. So it's really small. It doesn't take up, it takes up very little room in the engine compartment. And it doesn't so, have that extra heater hose that comes up. Yeah, to, it doesn't have the ugly heater hose. So basically bro, you can, bro. if you get the V2 shroud, mm-hmm. you just have a really nice clean shroud yeah. and he's got it custom painted to match the car. So it all blends in and then he's got all the, all the tins cut to match and then has them all powder coated as well. So, and, you, and the, the tin kit, you can buy the water jet kit from the type four store and you can, you can manipulate that tends to work for yourself as well. Yeah. So, well, that's rad, man. Did we tell, we talk, I asked you about your lineup, but I don't know if we got into your lineup of the cars that you own now. Oh. So what's it? So, I don't so, know if I want to, uh, <laughs> well, so what, but what's your daily right now that you drive? I mean, as far as like for Volks, your most frequently driven Volkswagen is what? 
Uh, my most frequently one is my 66 panel bus. My so you, t- it's a Tiki bus. Everybody calls it the Tiki bus. It's been all the way out to Lake Havasu and back a few times and not driving it, but trailered it obviously, but it's been to quite a few shows. Yeah. You might have to bring it out. It's next never, year. yeah, I'm gonna have to bring it out. It's never made it to uh, California, but you well, know, well, listen, if you do one, if you do one crazy weekend next year, usually the following week is Octo. Sounds good. And we'll road trip it down there. We'll, we'll, I, as much as I like towing my rig, we'll just drive them down there to, <laughs> so yeah, you no can problem. battle Baker grades. So you get to get to see what Baker grades all about. Right on. Um, let me see here. I got my guy hitting me up. So, people wanted to get some stuff done from you. Are you pretty tied up uh, with with working on stuff, or you got time to do smaller projects, or what? I really don't have time to build any more cars right now. I'm pretty much uh, I'm pretty pretty well stacked right now. So, yeah. along with a few of my own personal projects that are kind of bad and back burnered for a while. So. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. What so? What shows do you normally go to during the year on the on the East Coast over there? Yeah, with the East Coast, you know, there's quite a few in Florida. So I venture out to Bug Jam usually once a year. Um, I try to go to like uh, Nodo. Nodo is a real big one. I'm pretty sure you probably heard of that one. Yep, I have. So what's yeah. so if, if I got to pick one show to go to um, on the East Coast, what show am I going to? You're gonna get a bug jam because that's like the biggest one. Yeah. If you want swap, if you the want bug jam's coming up in like a week or two, right? Isn't it? That's right. So as soon as I bust out of here, I gotta go. You gotta go to bug jam. <laughs> I gotta go clean my bus. So have I have you something drive, to drive. You drive down over there. to bug jam. I've driven that way, and I've also trailered that way, depending on if I'm swapping or not. Uh, it's probably like a four and a half hour drive, maybe 300 miles, maybe. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Over there, it's all pretty flat. Or do you gotta yeah, go through any hills? There's no hills, no. Yeah, you just gotta watch out for gators. Yeah, well, if, unless you go down Alligator Alley, but I don't yeah, haven't any problems with gators lately. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, they got all kinds of stuff out there, bugs and skeeters and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, because one time I took my bus to uh, to another event and I ended up hanging out with my dad for a couple of days, and then I ended up evacuating out of Florida because they had a hurricane coming. Yeah, so I just took all the back roads up ninety eight to in my tiki bus just. Blazing back home. And then what motor what motor you got in the Tiki bus, bro? Believe it or not, it's a seventeen seventy six with dual caddies. I can't even make eye contact with you. <laughs> I can't even make eye contact. You, got dual you and everybody else. The first thing the they'll seven, say is, "Why doesn't have a Type Four? Why does the Type Four Revolution guy I'm have like, a Type? Why I'm is like, he doing the Type One? I'm revolution? like a Type Four is just too much no for that way. for that bus. Way it's too just, much. It's just like you, you, the best part of a Type Four is you don't really need to downshift to pass somebody. Just lean in the throttle a little more and just roll, roll past them. That's it. Yeah. That's uh, but my '74 bus has a Type Four in it, so and my '76 Beetle had a Type Four in it, so unfortunately it passed away in a car accident. Luckily it didn't take me out. Yeah. So some guy in a Toyota hit me and jammed me into a Mercedes. Ooh. So basically totaled that car. In a Beetle. In in my '76 Standard Beetle, yeah, which is even a harder car to find. Yeah. It was we all patina, patina car. We talked about it on the podcast. The yeah. 77 is probably the, the 77 is the rarest beetle. It's 12,000 production sedans, 12,000, 1977. Well, good luck finding a 76 standard beetle too. They're, yeah, they're, they're hard to find. I found one. No, it was 76 sitting, is 75, 76, yeah. 77. They're, they're not easy to find, man. I yeah, mean, and for $250 when I did buy it with a roof rack, it was, it was great. It just needed some motor work. And so I was like, well, if it needs some motor work, guess what I have? I have a Type 4 motor sitting underneath my drill press, and it's not going anywhere. So that's when I decked it out and 
shoved it in there and it, it was in there until that day and then it ended up in a 72 beetle and now that motor's in a rail buggy so it's it's continuing on yeah even outside of even outside of my uh, possession well that so. mean, if listen if you take care of them you keep you keep them oiled and you, you keep them happy those things run for a long time especially when the heads have been uh the heads have been dialed in and everything's yeah. everything's good to go so oh yeah i have a couple uh a couple of foot lockers with uh, nothing but Type 4 stuff in it that's got my name on it Yeah, for me. You got to so. get one back on the road, bro. Uh, not, not a problem. Next year, you got to October, bring your Type 4 out here because I want to wait for your 1776 for the dual caddies, dude. It might not make it up. <laughs> that. that hill's a killer, dude. That hill's 6,000 feet straight up. It's yeah, a that's, freaking... That's that's the the Nikki's Type 4 right there that'll take care of that one. You yeah, know, let's do for it. For sure. I'm ready. Even my 74 Westphalia has got a Type 4 in it, so... Yeah. With 44s on it, so... Pancake still? Oh yeah, still pancake. You have the tall stack, tall manifolds on it. I got the short manifolds on it. I put shorties on there, just like Jake likes to use the same yeah. earlier versions. Did you do something with the CD. tranny in that thing? Because them freaking trannies are geared low. It's got a five rib in it, so. So is a later. Is it, is it a taller ring and pinion in that thing? It's a taller ring and pinion yeah. in it. Yep. I had that seventy five. I had seventy four. I think it's seventy five. Seventy four, seventy five. The orange bus that I had, and I drove it to buses, and, and that was a cool bus, man. But it just sounded like it was just ringing its neck going out there. And seventy three and below, it's like it's really tight. Yeah. A, those 002 trainees are really just wound yeah. up tight. You're doing 65, and it's it's trying to throw poor little Type 1 rods out of it, more or less Type 4. Now, what brought you to SEMA? Brought me to SEMA? Uh, I'm with a group called HH Wheels, and uh, basically uh, they run a YouTube channel. Caroline and James, they run a YouTube channel. So Yeah, I've seen it a few times. She's... Uh she she got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, so so basically they like to they're car builders and uh and she's a she's an avid Volkswagen person from day one. So um she bought her tooth off on this one car and over time she's just you know been working on it and then at one point in time like a couple of years ago she reached out to me to get her car back on the road again cuz she was having engine problems and she bought like everybody I'm going to buy this part, I'm going to buy that part, I'm going to buy this part and their whole combination is wrong instead of just buying a kit, you know, a formulated kit that right. works. So they just had a pile of parts. So we had to sort through the pile of parts and then go from there and then order the parts that she needed properly, which you can see on the YouTube, on her YouTube channel as well. Right. Um, at the HH wheels. So basically, um, it, it was basically a love hate relationship from there. Just trying to, trying to make that motor what she wanted. So we ended up with a strange combination, which is a 1967 CC motor. 1967 what is that it's a really oddball it's like a 74 crank you know uh -huh. you clearance the case for that and the h the h beam rods and then you throw some thick wall 92s at it really so basically your case is uh cut for 90.5s and your heads are cut for 94s so it's total oddball it's total odd man out right there huh. so, but it works and uh so i've had a few customers over time get these uh get these motors i did one for a 1967 bus so I figure the guy is going to tell people, you know, he's not, he's a Volkswagen guy, but mm -hmm. he's not a car wrenching kind of guy. So right. when he tells people, they're like, what kind of motor you got in your bus? He's going to go a 1967. They're like, no, 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 not what year your bus is. What kind of motor you got in your bus? He's going to go 1967. Yeah. So it's going to be a, it's going to be an ear puller. So, but it's a really torquey little motor, really reliable, torquey little motor. And you can run it in a Volksrod style. You can run it in a Baja style. Yeah. It seems to be favorable. It's right up there with like a 1904. Yeah, I love. My, I had a 1904. Love that motor. I build lots of 1904s for people. They're nice. I mean, it's like everything's one size up. Pistons, crank, like it's just a little bump up bigger That's than it. stock, and it's just got 
a lot of punch. But and one you're of the, retaining that meat in the case as well. You're not thinning out that case like you would a 2332, where it's like yeah, it, it, the case is like hollow, and you've got you know a paper, you two pieces of paper thin at the top of the yeah. of the case halves. No, so that's good stuff. You well, do that on a Type Four, you're running a really big system. Yeah, <laughs> you're running a three liter. If, those guys overseas, they're running like those three liters. They're paper thin at the top, but there's yeah. still plenty of meat on a Type Four. Yeah, they're. Uh, I mean, those dudes. Those dudes in Europe don't play. One of these days, yeah, I'm gonna get one of these. I'm, I'm gonna get one of these with the engine. I'm trying to get Johannes on on the podcast and a couple other guys out of Europe. But I got to get a Type Four, a German Type Four engine built on here to talk about all of these things as we do. That's right. You know, that was a terrible German accent, but listen, <laughs> but. Yeah, no, listen, man, I'm glad we had to sit on it and chat. I'm glad we connected down here at the SEMA show. Um, it looks like you had some a good time here this week. It's There's a lot to take in, man. It's a sensory overload for sure. Yeah, that's why I can only do it every other year because there's just no way I could do this you, every year. You go home and just burn your car to the ground like this piece of crap. It doesn't have a plasma screen that pops up out of the door. Nothing. You know, like it doesn't have 14, 17-inch speakers in the back, you know. I don't have quick disconnect harnesses no, and all this stuff. I've no. got fuses that are dated you know yeah no so, it's yeah, it, yeah. it's it's a good time it's a lot of walking this year i did two days i was almost going to go today and then i was just like you know what man because i wanted to get in there this week and go see this guy from uh, uh i forget the name of the company but i'm gonna i've got a video on it. i interviewed him two years ago at sema show so i gotta put the video out but he's got a head temp sensors and uh and some other stuff that that he has some digital uh, four-in-one gauges that go on the dash it's all can bus technology and it's fairly affordable so i'll be doing a, a update on that coming up here so and it's really cool because you put cylinder head temperatures and check all four cylinders if you want or just check one of them and use the other four heat sensor inputs for other you know do them for oil temp and do it for uh all, all kind of other stuff so um but yeah yeah we use some aviation sensor aviation stuff like that as well yeah where you can monitor all four cylinders and it's really a good tuning aid or a really good monitor right yeah. yeah, as long as you got it precisely calibrated and everything's running to par right there. No, it's great, man. Well, look, man, I'm glad we got to hang out for a little bit this week. We're going to go Likewise. and run down to fin first Friday at Finley and see what's going on down there. But uh, other than anything else we didn't cover on the podcast, you think we should have covered? No, man, I appreciate your hospitality, Bill. Thank right, you. Right on, brother. Thanks. All right. If you like that podcast, and I know you did, make sure you share it with a friend. So click on the link wherever you're listening right now. Copy and paste it on your Facebook. Share it on your Instagram or text it to your group of VW friends. So don't forget to share the podcast, Let's Talk Dubs, your favorite VW podcast. We continue to keep growing. We're getting close to our half a millionth download so far. So we're listening to around the world. And if you're around the world and you ain't near me, that's you I'm talking about. So everybody around the world, all my peeps, I love it, man. Appreciate you guys for listening. So uh, we got a podcast coming up roundtable soon. George and I discuss, uh, we, get a, we get some feedback on the one crazy weekend. So we're gonna, we got a letter sent to us, anonymous letter, giving us some constructive criticism. So we're gonna address a bunch of that stuff because uh, the letter's a little late to the game, but it's a valid concern that people, some people had, but there's already been things that have been majorly addressed for next year's event. So until next week, guys, uh, make sure you go give us a five-star review. Let's get to 500 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, guys. So until next week, guys, later. Probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen.
like the bug likes. 